Thanks, Pastor Stevie. Nice unicorn. Nice unicorn. I like that. Yeah. Nice. You look good, man. You look good. You look good. You look good. I had somebody tell me my tie was ugly, so it worked. I, I know. I, you know. I, but the thing is, it wasn't necessarily ugly, I swear, because I haven't seen one ugly one yet. Now, those of you who chose to, war, to wear your NFL teams, I kind of wonder. No, I'm not saying nothing. I'm just, I'm not saying nothing. I'm just pointing it out. I, okay, but no, I, no, I like the saints, right? I mean, they're, they're Christians. How can you go wrong with that, right? I mean, they're, they're Christians, okay? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if, why you wore it on Ugly Sweater Sunday, but I wanted to wear something out of the norm. Yeah. Stephen, bro, we look good, don't we? Stephen and I both look good. He always inspires me. Um, but don't get used to it. Okay, and as I was worshiping, I want to show you something here. I, I thought about because somebody called my tie ugly. Um, uh, it's okay. I got over it. But we got, we got the black, which represents my sin. We got the blood, which represents Jesus. And we got the silver lining, which is where we're headed when we die. Um, so... I wore a good tie. I didn't even know it. Um, I don't know if it's my ugliest one, but uh, anyhow, I thought we'd have some fun with it because it's a little bit festive, but uh, so glad you were here. And, and also you may have gotten an email from me if you're on the email address and uh, we weren't originally going to do a 26th service, but um, I had enough families that were interested in showing up. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do our, our big weekend services Friday night, uh, but we are going to do a 10 o'clock service for those of you who want to come on the 26th on Sunday. So um, it's going to be low key. There's going to be just some acoustic worship and I'm going to preach like three hours. Um, but, uh, but anyhow, it's not an obligated thing. Our whole staff, I'm like, you guys get the weekend off. Um, but there was, again, there was enough families that were like, we want to come to church and we're going to make that happen. So um, if you want to show up, we'll have coffee and it's going to be great. Uh, but just wanted to throw that out there. So it's going to be a good thing. So, all right, let's get on to this. Uh, we t- are going to talk about a thing today um, that I hope will inspire you. I think there's going to be some things that I say today that are going to maybe hit you where you are in life. Um, and we talked last week, Pastor Stevie taught, preached a great message on Herod and um, the story before the story. And this story is right before the story. So we, we know that with the Christmas season, right, it's all about who? It's all about Jesus, right? And Jesus made it all about me because he came and died for my sins. Uh, but I want to talk today about John the Baptist, all right? What, what happened leading up to John the Baptist because he had to actually be born first to proclaim the way of Jesus. And so I want to go through that story. Um, and we're talking from the perspective of a doctor, Dr. Luke, um, who according to scholars, never actually met Jesus physically. There's no evidence that he actually met Jesus. So uh, he writes this story and what he's going to do from a doctor's perspective, he's going to investigate, like he's going to do all kinds of things that are detailed. And so um, I, I want to open up with the first four verses and then we'll kind of get into, into the study. All right. It, it's not near as boring as I just made it sound. <laughs> so here's what he says. Dr. Luke writes this. He's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. Um, he, he's, he's licensed to practice medicine. Uh, he went to, to medical school in Rome. That's where he finished his, his degree because you actually had to practice back then. Um, and so he's a very detailed person. And he starts out saying this. He says, many people have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first eyewitnesses, okay, it's an important word, and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus. Now, we don't know who Theophilus is, but he's writing to him. So that you may know the, certain, the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Uh, so his basic introduction, what I just read to you, he's just saying this. I want to get it right. I'm going I'm to investigate things about Jesus, his birth, how he lived, what he did, and I want to get it right. Again, he was a Gentile. 
um, licensed to practice. He traveled a lot with the Apostle Paul, very intelligent. So he writes from a perspective of a doctor. This is why it's important for the message. Um, he uses about 16 medical terms to describe things. As he's going through one of the Greek words he uses is aftopia, which means, or I'm sorry, aftopsia, which means autopsy. Like he's investigating, he's opening things up to see if he could write uh, probably a better gospel than everybody else. John, he's more like backwoods, country boy, just say things how they need to be said. Luke is going to be a little more intelligent. I'm probably more backwoods country boy. My older brother's a medical doctor. He's probably Dr. Luke, right? And, and so we're going to go through the story from his perspective. Dr. Luke wants to make sure he gets it right in his report. Okay, he uses the word eyewitnesses, investigated, certainty. Um, much like our news today, he just nails it and gets all the facts right. <laughs> just the way it is. Okay, he's interviewed people. He was detailed, okay? Um, he was credible. So this is how he opens up his report. It's like, I've done my research. You can believe this, okay? So what we can learn from Dr. Pruch, Dr. Luke, Dr. Luke's approach is this. Uh, how do I apply this to my life? The question is this. Do I have the tendency with trying to be right rather than getting it right? You ever, you ever deal with this in like your relationships? Like we're so concerned about being right. We, we don't even really investigate the details. We just want to be right. And Luke is saying here, I don't want to just, I, want to, I don't want to just, you know, try to be right. I want to get it right. I want to get it right. And most of us spend our life, I think, trying to get it right. And oftentimes we fail to be right. And that's where grace comes in. That's what's so beautiful about the cross is that we can't always get it right. But God wants us to do the best we can to try. You ever, so this, that, do I have a tendency to, to, to be right rather than to get it right? Does this apply to anybody that's married? <laughs> Let me rephrase that. This applies to all of us that are married. Like the, the, we go through this thing of wanting to be right. So he's wanting to focus on, on getting it right. In other words, again, if I'm so focused on being right, I won't be open to the possibility that there's more than one viewpoint besides mine. You know, and a coin, there's always two sides to a coin, but it's the same coin. The, the coin has the same value, but there's two perspectives on this. And I know if you're anything like me, I'm good at jumping to conclusions before gathering all the facts. Okay, I, I've, there, there's some things that I've done in my life. Um, you know, some of you have been in law enforcement. I was a volunteer for Ada County Sheriff's Officer about 12 years. And one thing that it taught me was that the first story you hear isn't always the true story. Amen. All right, because there's always different perspectives. And so it taught me also that the news, you can't, you can't believe anything the news tells you. Because I was at the scenes and where the news reported, like, like that's not even what happened, you know. Um, so if you're in law enforcement, you understand how that is. There's, there's what he said, what she said, and then what really happened. And so, so Luke here is just trying to get it right, all right? He wants to do all the fact gathering before he makes a decision. So he's like, first things first, we're gonna talk about John the Baptist. We'll call him JB. And some of you young people think, Justin Bieber. No, it's John the Baptist. We'll say JTB. And here's the good news. When I mentioned the word Justin Bieber in first service, it erupted in cheers, which tells me there's a lot more mature people in the second service than in first service. <laughs> all right, because it was like all these girls going, ah! and some adult women, um, we don't name names, but anyhow, I, I do have a song on, on my playlist, so I have to confess that it's a worship song that he sings, it's on my playlist, I got called on the carpet on that the other day, uh, but he talks about Jesus, right, so let's move on, let's get on with John the Baptist, right, so when you go to a doctor appointment, oftentimes a doctor will ask you when you started feeling something, when did you notice this? And then again, Dr. Luke, he is so detailed. He wants to know the stuff before the stuff or the stuff before the symptom. Like, okay, there's symptoms, but what happened up to that, right? So he, he's into the details. 
And remember that doctors are smarter than us and they ask us questions. Questions are important. There's always a reason for the questions. There's always a reason for the questions. When a doctor or a mechanic or somebody is asking you a question, they're trying to problem solve. And, and so it's important that we answer the questions because there's always a reason for the questions unless it's a child. There are exceptions. Yeah, there are exceptions. You ever been out, you ever heard that there's no such thing as a dumb question? That person's not very informed because there is. You ever been asked a dumb question? Like you're taking the trash out and somebody asks you what you're doing? <laughs> I'm saying it close, right? No, it, it, it's just garbage, right? It's garbage. So Jesus, we know, is the main thing here. But as a doctor would do, he's going to discuss what leads up to the main thing. Again, your medical history uh, gives him a better idea of how to diagnose you. When you go to the doctor, they usually ask you, okay, what have you dealt with in the past? And some of it's extensive some of you omit certain things. Some of you make up things, right? But if you don't give the doctor the, the appropriate information, he has a hard time making a diagnosis. And so again, Paul, he's just very, I'm sorry, uh, Dr. Luke is very, very detailed here. And he's going to give us this, his medical side of what things happen. So to talk about John the Baptist just for a moment, um, he was prophesied to be a forerunner of Jesus. Why is it so important that we deal with John the Baptist? Well, John the Baptist, again, would proclaim that the Messiah was coming. And that's important. Like, like Stevie said last week is, is you know, we want to make it all about Jesus, but we need to know some things before Jesus happened. And this is why it's important for us to understand that God has a timetable and a process of how he does things. This is how we can apply to our life is we want the thing, but how we get there is really important. And he wants us to get this right. Some of you right now, you are headed toward what God wants from you in your life, but you don't know why you're going through what you're going through. Like I'm facing this, but I don't get it. Life again is like a big highway. You're gonna have rest stops. You're gonna have places that you get off the road. You're gonna have exits that you probably shouldn't have took. All right, let's be clear. You have exits that you shouldn't have took. The good news is with God, there's always an on-ramp, all right? So they will know to look for the Messiah by what comes first. Um, and there are signs of the end times. God, I, I believe we're living in them. I really do. I believe we're living in the end times. We're seeing things going on in this world. Uh, and if you don't know your Bible, you, you might get freaked out by it. But you need to understand there's some things that are happening right now that point to the coming of Jesus Christ. Okay, so you don't need to be afraid. As a matter of fact, you see things going on with Israel and China and Russia. Uh, in the Bible, those things, those, those countries play a huge part in the end times. Um, America is not mentioned in the Bible. And we think we're the center of the world. Yep. Why? Because we are. We're kind of a big deal. Yeah. But in God's timetable, we're not. You know who the big deal is in the world? It's Israel. That's, that's where the world you know, goes around. So either we get raptured out of here, okay, or something catastrophic happens in America, but America is not mentioned in the Bible specifically. There's some people that try to find some things out there. So somehow we're not a big player in the end times. And that's okay because God has a plan. So be right with Jesus, right? Because the rapture could happen at any moment. It really could. We got to remember that. Here, I've told you this for years, and I will tell you this now, that God prepares you for what's next by what you're going through today. Okay, what you're going through right now is God's preparing you for something. So if you're facing something today, you'd rather not be facing, I need you to hold on uh, because I believe, again, this message is gonna mean something to you. So Luke tells the story of the impossible. Okay, again, as a doctor, he's heard the stories, he's seen the miracles, he's seen blind eyes open, he's seen people raised from the dead, he's seen all these things, and his mind is kind of blown. Like as a doctor, he wants to know how that happens. So here's one, some things that he's gonna talk about. There's two old people who haven't been able to have kids get pregnant. Like that would mean something to a doctor, right? The characters were looking at her, 80 years old and she gets pregnant, never been pregnant before. That would fascinate a doctor, right? It'd probably fascinate an 80 year old man too, okay? And it would freak out an 80 year old woman. 
right? He's gonna talk about a virgin who gets pregnant, but still a virgin. Can you imagine that? Like go and do your doctor and you're 80 years old. You, you know, you haven't you've been 40 years since anything has happened in your body, ladies. And, and, and he looks at you with a shock going, you gotta be a mom. Yeah, I'd freak out at 50, right? Like we're done having kids. He's gonna talk about the Virgin Mary. Imagine a girl going to the doctor saying, you know, I'm pregnant, but I'm still virgin. He's gonna be like, you're a liar too, right? Because that doesn't really happen. It's gonna fascinate him. It's gonna fascinate him. And so he's telling his side of the story. He's dedicated to the details. And I love details. There was a doctor, I read the story about a doctor who was teaching a bunch of medical students and he said, you know, you can tell what, what is going on in somebody's body by what their urine tastes like. And so he had a jar of urine and, and the students are looking at him. So he dips his, his forefinger and then he licks it and he passes it around and he makes them all do it. It's like this, you have to do this. And so all the students are dipping their finger and just grosses everybody out. And at the end, he gets the jar of urine back. He says, now I told you the details are super important. What you may not have noticed was I dipped my forefinger in the urine, but I licked my middle finger. (laughs) Details are important, okay? He's dedicated to the details. There's no verse that says it needs to make sense to you before you obey God, because faith is all about not making sense at the moment. If you've seen the movie, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you remember when he comes, you know, his dad gets shot and he's got to go get the, the Holy Grail and he comes to that big chasm and, and he doesn't see a way across and he's looking at his little thing saying, you got to take a step of faith. And, and he doesn't, he's like, I, what I see isn't what is. And, and then he, what's he do? He steps and then the, the, the camera pans to the side and there's a bridge. And I tell you that because what you're seeing now may not be reality. What Indiana Jones saw wasn't reality. It was his perception of reality. And sometimes you got to change angles on life to see what really is. You might be at a spot now, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. And God's just saying, you know what, just take a step because I promised I would be with you. I promised I would never fail you. I promised I would never forsake you. You just need to take a step of faith. Where in your life right now are you like that? Where maybe there's something you're like, this doesn't make sense, but I feel like it's God. I would just encourage you to take a step of faith. Just take a step of faith because God sees what you don't. Sometimes, again, you got to change your angle to see reality. He's going to go into some, to some uh, character and some heritage here. here get, this gets into the meat of the message. And again, I had to lay that foundation to get to where we're going. In the meantime, Herod, Pastor Stevie did a great job last week talking about Herod. Herod, king of Judea. Uh, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Okay, really important. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly, but they had no children, okay? Because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years, okay? You know what that means? That's, 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 that's Greek for they were old. Okay, they were old. Pastor Steve, have you kicked the AC on? And I'm getting, okay, thank you. All these sweaters, you're just putting off a lot of heat. Uh, so look, we have this problem a lot, but it's pretty warm in here. Heritage and character. Okay, let's talk about pedigree. Who are your relatives? Is anybody related to any infamous outlaws? Just by chance. Just curious, you have a couple here, infamous outlaws, all right? Everybody's looking like, ooh, who is it? And what are you gonna do to me? Because you're related, right? Uh, do you have that gene in you? Whatever they did. If you rob a bank, the tithe is 20%. Just so you know, no. <laughs> if you're brand new, I was just joking, okay? Uh, heritage, you can't help. 
You can't control your heritage. You can't control who you're related to. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose your grandparents. You didn't choose your cousins. And so he talks about their heritage. He said, they're related to Aaron. Aaron goes all the way back up to Moses. It's Moses' older brother. And Aaron was a priest. And, and in this day, if you were a priest, it was because you were born into it. You couldn't just become a priest. You can go, you know what? I feel a call of God. I'm going to go to school and I'm going to become a priest. No, the, the Levites were the group of priests. So you were actually born into it. Really, whether you wanted to or not, you were a priest. And so he, he talks about the lineage here, the heritage. This is who they belong to. But then he describes something even more important, and that was their character. He said they were both upright. They both loved God with a passion. They lived their life to please God. And, and the character is something that all of you can control. You can't control who your parents are, but you can control your character. You can't control how you act, and you can't be blaming your character on who your parents were. You have to take ownership for that. Can I get an amen out of that? We, we have to own how we live. And she was barren, okay? It says, okay, here was her heritage. This is where their character. And then it says, and she was barren. And I want to tell you something. In this day and age, they had a really wrong view if you couldn't have a baby. As a matter of fact, if you couldn't have a baby as a woman, the husband had a legal right to divorce you. I mean, it was that severe. And here's what they thought. In this culture, if you were barren, if you couldn't have a kid, it meant that you had sin in your life. It meant that you did something wrong and God was punishing you. And so she was living with this stigma of not being able to have a baby. We look at Abraham and Sarah, it's the same thing in our, in our Genesis study in Wednesday nights. We went through the same thing that she felt shamed, okay, because she was shamed. She was shunned. And so that's where, where Elizabeth is in her mind now is that she was barren, okay? She couldn't have kids. Every Jewish woman wanted to be able to get pregnant. And here's why. Here's where some of the Bible college stuff comes into play. Every Jewish woman knew the Messiah was going to be born to someone and she wanted to be it. She wanted to give birth to the Messiah. That was a big deal in this culture. Like I could be the one to carry the Messiah into this world. So, so not, not just having a baby was bad, but not being able to give birth to the Messiah, you completely were disqualified from that. Okay, so we need to get into the heart and the mind of Elizabeth here of really what her condition was and how it could affect her life. So here's what's important. It's important to see that despite not being able to get pregnant, she still served God with all of her heart. How, how does this apply to us? Well, I'll tell you this. Her walk with God did not depend on God giving her what she wanted in life. She served him because simply it was the right thing to do. So how does that apply to you? You may not get what God, what you're like, okay, well, I want, I want this, I want this, I want this. But are you going to serve God whether you get what you want or not? Okay, we got salvation. Isn't that good enough? Like Jesus rescued us from hell. That's good enough, but sometimes we always want more. Not that God doesn't want to give you more, but we can't serve him because of stuff. So the question here is, how are you doing in this area? Okay, are you walking with God on this conditional thing or are you serving him because of what he's already done? So by this time, all hope was gone of, of having a child, okay? All hope was gone. They didn't have, it was like, okay, we're not having a baby. That's just the way it is. It's probably 40 years past even the prayer that was prayed. Okay, 65 was considered old age here, and they're in their 80s. They're in their 80s. Now, I don't feel old at all in my life, but I've been getting these stinking AARP letters, and I don't even open them. I like it must be a different stand, because that cannot apply to me. Okay, you know, they can't, somebody's telling me the truth. Don't tell me the truth, because I think you're as old as you feel. Right? Now, I'm all about the senior discount. I guess when I get 55, I guess I'm, I'm going to take that up. I'm not ready for the AARP yet. All right. 
But Elizabeth teaches us something. There's a difference between surrender and conditional surrender. There's a difference between making a deal with God or trying to make a deal and just simply saying, God, my life is yours. I'm going to serve you regardless of whether I get what I want. I'm just going to serve you. Okay? Surrender to God is just that. I'm going to serve you regardless of how life is turning out. Heaven is enough. And this may be where you are today, that you're, you may be expecting God. You have higher expectations of him than you should. You think maybe he's just a genie to give you what you want when you want, and that's not how God works. God gave us what we needed, not always what we wanted, but he gave us what we needed. He gave us Jesus. That's what Christmas is about, right? I, I preached last year. It was a, it was a really user-friendly, seeker-sensitive uh, title, and it was called the, the Beauty of Christmas is the Reality of Hell. <laughs> Welcome to Change Life Church, right? We, yeah, we were like, what? No, that's, that's, the, the, we don't understand how good the gift is until we understand the consequences of not having the gift. Like hell in eternity, paying for our own sins. Okay, when Jesus came and died for us and we accept that, we get a, a get out of jail free card, at least free to us. Amen. All we have to do is ask and we've been forgiven and, and we're on our way to heaven. But some of us put conditions on God. I, I call this conditional surrender, which is, is a little bit of an oxymoron. I don't know if that is a thing, but conditional is this. It's not really surrender. Uh, it's more like, let's make a deal. God, I'll do this if you do this for me. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people going through divorces or going through relationship issues where, where one will just come to church, come to church, hoping that if I come to church, then God's going to put us back together. And, and a lot of the times they just quit coming because God doesn't do it because we expect God to fix something that maybe we broke. God will help you fix it, okay? He will help you fix it, but he's not going to do it all for you. We have to learn to repent. We have to learn to say, you know what? I contributed to this. Okay, and, and again, I'm not picking on you if you're doors, but I'm saying we have to own our part. We have to be willing to go, God, I, man, I really messed up. I didn't treat her right. I didn't treat her right. I did this. And so, Lord, whether ever we get back together, I'm just going to serve you first. I'm going to work on me. On, I'm going to work on me. And if, if it's meant to be, then it'll happen. But I want it to be in your time, not my time, because I got some things I need to work on. Um, you know, you, guys, even if you love Jesus, you got stuff to work on. Do you notice how I said you there? <laughs> it's really me. <laughs> like if I, I have all kinds of stuff I need to work on all the time. All right? But if we, if we do this, God, if you do your part, I'll do mine. That's the wrong approach. Okay? That's not a relationship. That's a contract. And so my encouragement here is don't treat your relationship with God like a contract. Now, in human relationships, okay, there has to be some contractual things. There, there are conditions. In a marriage, there's got to be conditions. Right? It's, I mean, there's, there's conditions. You love me, I'll love you, but I have to love you first. I'm gonna wait for you to love me before I love you back. No, the conditions is I made some promises here. And, and oftentimes we take this contract thing into our walk with God, like, well, God, you're not doing your part, so I'm not gonna do my part. Lord, as soon as you do what I want, then I'll start serving you again. And I don't think God smiles on that kind of relationship. Can you imagine your kid, you know, coming out of the bedroom, he's five years old, he's like, as soon as you do your part, I'll do my part. As soon as you give me what I want, then I'll start being a good kid. And as a parent, if you're like, oh, is this, is this a thing? No, this is a dictatorship. This is not a democracy. Amen. You don't do what I want. Oh, whip your tail, boy. Okay? Because I am a believer in spanking. Just so you know. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. Why do I believe that? Because the Bible says to. And I can point you out some verses that say, if you don't spank your kid, you hate him. Yeah, let's just get, let's just get back. Stay in your lane, stand. Stay in your lane, Stan. It's getting ugly. Your tie just got uglier because you told me that. Well, I'll be counseling your kid. Um, okay. 
discipline's a thing, it really is. Um, you know, when I, where I grew up, the spanking stick, either, either you had to go cut your own out of the woodshed or the spanking stick was hanging off the refrigerator about that far where you could see it every time you went by the fridge. I still shudder when I walk by, I see it because I met that baby a lot, okay? Yeah, I had to go cut my own one time and it was like this little sliver, <laughs> like just with a hatchet. That's back when you could let kids play with sharp things. Um, back when life was real. And, uh, and I remember my dad one time told me to go cut one for my older brother. And I brought a log back, like I'm dragging this. Here, dad, beat him with this. Uh, but uh, it's funny how that was a true story, man. I, I mean, it wasn't dragging, it was, but I did on purpose, I made it thick. It was a club. He's like, we played baseball with it afterwards. Um, but aren't we kind of like that? Yeah. Like when if somebody else messes up, we want them to be, just get whacked. But with us, we just make this little sliver that doesn't, you can't feel. We're weird that way. I want them to be punished. But when I do it, I, I want everything to be easy on me. But I don't want my relationship with God to be looked at as a contractor, right? He died for me. I need to live for him. That's the way it is. So this is where Zachariah and Elizabeth are in their life. They're, they're old, they're 80, they're just wanting to finish well. They're wanting to, to get to the end of the line, just serving God, doing what's right, even though they didn't get a child like they wanted to. But the next part gets even better because something happens that they did not see coming. Something takes place here. They're both serving God. They're both doing what they're supposed to do. And when all hope has been lost for so many years, God blindsides them with something. And let me show you the names of Zachariah, what they mean. Zachariah, his name means Jehovah remembers. Jehovah is God, God remembers. Elizabeth's name is the oath of God. So you have a husband and a wife that are married and both their names talk about that God is faithful to us, that God remembers, that God keeps his promises. Verses eight through 17. It says, once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, okay, by kind of drawn straws according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Let me give you a little bit of, of a background here of what's happening. This priesthood, there was 24 divisions of priests. And, and every two years, your division would be on duty. They would serve two weeks of the year. Uh, he was from the, the division of Abijah, and their time frame uh, was between mid-April and May. So one week of, of that year, they would go mid-April, mid mid-April, somewhere in there. He would serve his seven days as a priest, and then his second week would be mid-October through November. Okay, so, so twice a year that he would go do his priest thing. I uh, don't know what he did besides it, but that was his calling, so that's what he did. And that, so that's what he's doing. He's on duty. Uh, we don't know what time of the year this one particularly was. Um, people have tried to figure it out, but it really doesn't matter. <laughs> what matters is, is he was doing what God had called him to do, and he was doing it faithfully. Okay, time frame doesn't matter. He's just going to do what God asked him to do. So that's the, the time frame here. Well, he gets picked to go and burn incense. They burn incense twice a day in the temple, okay, morning and evening, and, and a priest would get picked. It's like, oh, draw straws, okay, Zechariah, it's your turn. Now, one scholar said that this was almost a once-in-a-lifetime deal because it was about 20,000 priests all together in the 24 divisions. So the, 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 it was kind of a long shot to get your little straw chosen. Uh, what you may not know, because you're like, cool, man, I get to go and play with fire. How many pyros? I was, well, my hand, see how fast my hand went up? I, was, I loved fire as a kid. All right, love fire. And, and it wasn't just, oh, yeah, I get to go burn incense. This is great. Because you got to understand what happened here. If you went into the temple... 
Okay, and this was the second furthest place you could go. There was an 80 foot curtain. Then the Holy of Holies was behind that. Like this was that physical giant temple. And the Holy of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant was. If you've seen Indiana Jones, again, what happens when you mess with the Ark of the Covenant? You get zapped, right? You don't touch that. And so the, the incense altar was one step before the Holy of Holies. And if you went into this place and you had sin in your life, you died. Can you imagine a sign at the front of our church that said, if you have any unrepentant sin, when you walk in these doors, you will die. Everybody stay outside and drink coffee, right? You can look for a different church. I'm glad it's not like that because the preacher would have been dead the moment he drove up on the thing, right? And, and so this is a holy moment. This isn't, oh, I gotta go. This is like, okay, I got picked. I, man, my, my life better be really good with the Lord right now. And if he's anything like me, I would be thinking back, okay, did I sin? Did I, was I, was I a little bit cross with my wife when I left? And, and did I say, God, I just, I first asked you to forgive me for everything. And the good news is you don't have to remember every sin to repent of. I've had people say that. What if I forget one? Oh, then you're in trouble. <laughs> oh, you were six. Oh, you remember what you did? Oh, I forgot about that. No, it's easy just to say, Jesus, please forgive me my sins, plural. He forgives them all. Okay, so let's make that very clear. Jesus, I've asked you to forgive me my sins because I don't remember all my sins. There's so many, I don't remember them all. And I'm glad we don't have to name them. God knows them and God knows our heart is repentant of all sins and it covers it, all right? So you gotta, you gotta picture this moment. He gets picked, it's a huge honor, but it's also a little scary. And so he would go in and he would have two priests with him. One would be carrying this bowl of coals and one would be carrying the incense. The incense was a mixture of a bunch of different spices. Some that were secret, only the priests knew what was in there. And it was, they would put on the coals and it would go up before the Lord. Okay, it was just a sweet savor, a sweet, a sweet thing. So it's an honor, but it's also a little bit fearful. So the time came for bringing incense. He gets picked and, and he goes in there and something happens. So as he goes in there, the other two priests jet out and as he's getting ready to put incense, it says then, and this is again, this is Dr. Luke, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, meaning the angel wasn't in there. It just all of a sudden just appeared. I knew I was preaching on this and there's times that in my own home, uh, Chris and I tend to get up pretty early and, and I will, I practice quiet. That's what I call it, practice quiet because I love to hunt and I practice quiet. I walk soft. I just, I, I know where the creeks in our hardwood floor is. So I avoid those. And, and I did this on purpose. So I could tell a story. So she was in drinking coffee and, and looking, probably reading her Bible on her phone. And, uh, and I walked in, like it was yesterday morning and I'm just walking really careful like this. And then I just stood like this. It's dark in the house. There's a few Christmas lights going, the fires reflecting off of her, this angelic figure that I see. And, and I'm just standing there, I'm just looking. And then she's like, she jumped. And I was like, yeah, just what I wanted. Cause I wanted to tell the story. But I do this to her often. Like I, I, I'll come in quiet and she'll jump. And then I'll go, hey babe, and she'll jump. And I'm like, this is my house. Like you shouldn't be scared of me. I'm your husband and we've been together for 29 years. It shouldn't start over, but it still gets her, which makes it very fun. Okay. I mean, even watching like a Hallmark Christmas movie, she'll jump at something and I'm like, it just, it's just fun. It's just, our relationship is fun. We call her, if she was old Pentecostal wife, we would call her Sister Jumpy or something like that, right? She just, she just jumps and, and it's this funny thing. And then I'm sarcastic and then I get hit and I have issues. I have issues. I need help. Pray for me. Uh, so we have these moments, but I did this knowing I was going to preach on this and I did. It was the desired effect. So I'm not sure how to come into the room, quiet or noisy. 
Maybe I should have some bells that I just jing or something, you know, that, that I'm coming. But I want you to picture this. Okay. Zechariah is going into this holy place. He's already afraid, like, if I have any sin, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And so he goes in, and it's quiet, and it's dark, and all of a sudden this angel appears to him. And he just goes, what's up? Uh, no, that's not what happened. It says, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled. And he's gripped with fear. He's going into a holy place and an angel just appears. And the angel said to him, hey, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Zechariah's probably going, which prayer are you talking about? The next thing he says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to give him the name John. I don't know what was scarier, meeting an angel or being told your 80-year-old wife's going to get pregnant. Because that would be that would be a thing, right? And so he goes on to describe John. He's like, you're going to give him the name John, which again was against culture. You, you named him after somebody in the family. So gonna, she's going to get pregnant. You're going to give him the name John. And he says this. He says, he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice of his birth because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. Okay? No, no alcohol. It's a Nazarite vow. He's never going to cut his hair. Okay? He, he's he's going to be completely holy, set apart. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel, he will bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and to the disobedient, to the wisdom of righteousness, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He's like, your son is going to have a purpose. Like he, he's, he is going to make a difference in this world. He's going to be a joy. He's going to be a delight. Now, some of you, if you knew what your child was going to be like before conception, <laughs> you'd have had separate bedrooms. Probably you'd be like, uh-uh. Like if that's how my kid's going to turn out, it'd be like if you, if you knew what your recipe was going to turn out, you wouldn't bother cooking it. Yeah. Right? You'd be like, yeah, it ain't going to happen. So you'd be thankful that God doesn't tell you all this stuff. All right. Because this was before he was pregnant. I probably wouldn't be here if my parents would have had some clue as to what it was going to be like raising me. They would have stopped at my doctor brother. Right? But then Stan came along. And, and it's good that Stan came along second. Because if I came along first, there probably wouldn't be siblings. Right? That, like, there's just stories. Okay? But God has a plan. And he has a way. Okay? And Jehovah remembers in the oath of God. I want to point out here that, that he was just being faithful doing what he was called to do. The him getting chosen by some random laws, it, which, which wasn't random, okay, it wasn't a coincidence. The timing was perfect. Okay, because he was serving, hear me, because he was serving, he put himself in a position for God to use him. And that may be where you are today. Sometimes you don't want to do it, but you do it because it's the right thing to do. And when you do the right things, God will see that. God will see that because that's called the sacrifice, right? It's something you're just doing the right thing. But I, I am asking you today, are you in a position for God to use you just because you're a servant? Got you serving? God will use you. I promise that. I promise you that. He put himself in the position for God to use him. So when you faithfully serve in something small, you are showing God you'd be trusted with something big. And that's what he's doing here. He's just living it out. Okay, didn't get what he wanted. He wanted a kid. They both wanted a kid. Again, he could have divorced her, but he didn't. He loved her. So they had this beautiful relationship. And I think he was like, I love you regardless. Whether you give me a kid or not, that's not the point. I'm going to love you. Lady, I'm going to love you. And guess what? She loved him back. We could see in their character. Okay, their character was really important. 
God blesses us to be a blessing to other priests. So again, this was not a coincidental happening. Why? Uh, because it was time for the Messiah to show up. It was time for the Messiah to show up and, and, and Pastor John, Pastor John the Baptist, Pastor John, I just give you a shout out, Pastor John. All right. uh, uh, John the Baptist would be this precursor to what was about to happen, okay? John the Baptist had to come, had to happen before Jesus because God's timing is always perfect. Okay, I want you to picture your life like a chessboard, okay? Not checkers, like a chessboard. Now, I've never played chess because I'm just the preacher in the family. I'm not the doctor. I don't understand that. My other brothers, they're smart enough to know chess, okay? I don't do, anybody do chess? Does he do chess? All right. Who's like a checkers type of person? Yeah. Okay. I'm just checkers. Like king me, king me. All right. Uh, you know, in the chest, it's like I'm already king. You don't have to king me. So I'm a checkers type of person. I'm a little more simpler in my thinking, and I'm okay with that. Uh, but I picture life like a giant chessboard. That, that God has us at different positions, different gifts, different abilities. Whether you're a rook or a king or a queen or whatever else there is. Okay. And, and there's a, something that has to happen over here for you to get over there. Things have to take place. Things have to be moved. We can't just say, well, I want to be in that spot. I'm going to go there. No, there's a lot of things that God is doing on this giant chessboard called life. And he's maneuvering things. He's shifting things. And you're like, well, I've been in this spot for a long time. And God's like, just hold on. Like, I'm doing something over here. Just be patient. Okay, because I don't think the peace can just decide to take charge. Okay, like Pastor Steve said last week, that's what kings do. They take charge by force. But, that, but that's, not, that's not how it works in God's kingdom. So are you being patient? God has you in a spot for a reason. Now, there are times when opportunity is there and you're like, oh, I'm pretty comfortable. Being comfortable can kill you, Amen. okay? Yeah. But being comfortable can also comfort you. You have to know when to move. You have to be led by the Spirit and say, be in prayer. Say, God, I want to move when you want to move. I don't want to move too soon. I don't want to move too late. I want to be, I want to be perfect. So I'm going to listen to your voice. I'm going to pray and I'm going to do what's right in the meantime. I'm going to be a blessing while I'm sitting here, while I'm resting, whatever. I'm going to be a blessing here. And when you're a blessing here, God will get you there. But things have to move in other places, okay? Think about maybe the house that you moved up from, wherever you moved from. Um, if you didn't have a house built, hey, or even if you did have a house built, okay, somebody who lived in the house, if it was already there, had to move before you could move in. Something had to happen. I don't think you should just show up to CUNA and say, hey, um, I'm, I'm from another state, but I need to live in your house until I can find one. Good luck in Idaho, right? That wouldn't work. I'd be like, get off my property, all right? Just, just, can you imagine somebody pulling up to your house in a U-Haul? Hey, God told me to move. No, you, no, God didn't. That was not God. Right? No, somebody has to move for you to move in. Something has to happen. So when you serve God long enough, you will see all those pieces and, you, and you'll be okay with it, okay? Our building project, okay, a year ago, I was like, yeah, we're gonna be in at Christmas, 2021. <laughs> There ain't no dirt turned out there, right? Your car is parked where the building's gonna be, but the plans have gotten submitted to the city, okay? And hopefully they'll get that going and we'll get the building. And I, I want this building to get up when God wants it up, okay? It just, that you just have to go. This is the way it's gonna happen, but we are gonna build it. It's gonna be great. Uh, so we're shooting for next year, okay? Hopefully Christmas next year will be in the new. But God's timing is always impeccable. It's always perfect. Your job is to keep doing what's right and let God take care of the details, okay? You just keep burning incense, keep serving God, and, and it's gonna happen. All right, so this angel appears again. You ever had something show up in a place that it's not supposed to, or you didn't think it was supposed to because you had your routine? Now, Zechariah, should he really have been shocked when an angel showed up? I don't know. But he was there trying to seek God, right? He was there praying. They pray over the nation of Israel. One of the things I, I left out first service was when the main prayers would be praying for the Messiah to come. 
I actually forgot to say that first, first service. The, the, one of the prayers over the nation of Israel, and then they would pray for the Messiah to show up. And little did Zechariah know that his son would be the, the, the precursor to the Messiah, that his son would be the one to say, make way for the Lord, he's coming, he's coming. And Jesus, again, would be his first cousin. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, just again, it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. And the angel says, don't be afraid, okay? Don't be afraid. Now, John the Baptist would also flee into the desert, okay? When, when Herod goes after the two-year-olds and less, when he was trying to kill Jesus, okay, John would actually flee out. His family would go out into the desert and he would live among like a Bedouin tribe out there, kind of learn the ways of the desert. Um, and he did learn the ways. He wore camel skin okay? and he ate locusts. The Bible is very clear about what he, how he lived and what he ate. And I'm sure he smelled really good. Like just, I'm sure he, uh, I'm sure he bathed well. That's probably... Part of the reason he became a Baptist, maybe he smelled better after that. Uh, I don't know. But here's what he says. Your prayer's been heard. You're going to be a dad. A guy's 80 years old. He didn't see it coming. Some, I shouldn't ask that question. How many of y'all got pregnant? You didn't see it coming. Like, and don't ever say it was an accident because it wasn't. It was on purpose. You just didn't know what the result was going to be. No, there is no accidents, right? There's unexpecteds. But there's no accidents. God has a plan for every kid that's born, all right? And he says, you're gonna be a dad. Here's what it's gonna be like, okay? Your kid is gonna be a blessing to everybody, okay? Here's the deal. Listen to me carefully on this. Your kid's personality isn't just random. It's not just random. Your kid has a personality. Now you have some influence over the personality, but your kid thinks the way they think, okay? I tended to be very mechanical, very like, I wanted to know how things work, so I took them apart, and I had very patient parents when I took stuff apart, had no idea how to put it back together. I did that to our lawnmower one time. It was a, it was a, a self-propelled lawnmower. And Bob, after I was done, it was propel it yourself lawnmower. <laughs> Seriously, I took the gears off and I was like, how did, how, I don't know how goes that back? Well, you're going to push it now, boy. Okay? This is how it was. But I was always taking things apart. I want to know how to, how to fix things. And, and that's a dangerous person to be married to, somebody who's always wanting to fix stuff, right? Um, because guys, women just want to be listened to most of the time. They don't need to be fixed, right? right? It's the guys that typically need to be fixed in more ways than one. Um, I was just wondering if you caught that, all right? And here's what I know, okay? He would be a world changer. People are going to be glad he was born, but not everybody was going to be glad he was born. Why? Because John the Baptist would become a fireball preacher. John the Baptist would call Pharisees, okay, people that were hypocrites. They said they loved God, but they didn't act like it. He would call them out. He would call them broods of vipers, like you snakes. I mean, right to their face. And the crowds were like, whoa, JB is, he's, he is not politically correct. Okay, and if you read back in the Greek, you'll find that John the Baptist was, was a wild man, a wild preacher. He said what needed to be said. He was banned from Facebook. His Twitter was shut down. He was locked out of his Instagram. John Baptist, he was the bad boy of the day because he told the truth. And he wasn't afraid of what would happen to him. He'd end up getting his head cut off for what he believed because he called the king out. He's like, king, you're sleeping with your, your sister-in-law. You shouldn't be doing that. And the sister-in-law didn't like that. She'd like being married to, to her brother-in-law because he was the king. And, and she, you know, his head gets cut off and brought on a platter. If you don't know the story, don't say the Bible is boring because it's pretty interesting, right? It's just a crazy story, but that's how he would end up dying. He was not ashamed of what he believed. He would call out the hypocrites. And here's what I, I thought, and again, I didn't share this first service, but as, as a pastor, okay, those of us who have been called to ministry, okay, I wanna make it very clear to our church that, that our calling is to serve our church. It's not the church to serve the, the pastors, okay? Now, 
you can take that really literal, but hey, can you come wash my car? All right, I might, I might not. But we're to serve the church. In this day, you know what the problem that Jesus had with the Pharisees is the Pharisees think that, thought the congregation was for them. Yeah. Okay, but as, if you're called to ministry, no, you're, you're called to serve a church family or whatever you were doing. So we got to make sure that really clear. And I think that's why he had such a problem is they were hypocrites. They, they claimed they loved God, but they weren't acting like it. And he was just calling them out. He's going to make a difference in this world. He's going to be the forerunner to Jesus, the Messiah. So this had to happen, this moment for prophecy to be fulfilled. Exciting news, right? I mean, you're going to be a dad. It's going to be great. Man, your prayer for a kid has been answered. He's like, what? Like, I prayed that 40 years ago. And Gabriel's like, yeah, I heard it 40 years ago. Because you didn't pray this last week. He's like 80. His wife's 80. Who knows the last time they were intimate? Let's just be real here. We don't know. Okay? We, we don't know. I, 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 let's just keep moving because we don't know. But, but this was a thing. This was a thing. You don't know how bad I want to stay in this because my wife and I do the marriage group and, uh, and it's a thing. Matter of fact, we're having baked potatoes tonight for our life group. Just so you know, uh, free advertisement there. If you're part of our group, show up. Uh, and if you need details, ask my wife, because I forget them. You'll ask me after church, I'll be like, life groups? We got life groups tonight? Then we got life groups. Your prayer's been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear your son. And he's going to be like, whoa, it's going to be a dad. And here's where I, I got my title, okay? He asks this question. He's the priest of God. He's the man of God. He has served God. He has a wife that serves God. He has lived 80 years serving God. Even when he was one, he was holy. Why? Because he was from the line of, of, of Aaron. He had this calling on his life. And as a little kid, they were like, you better watch it because you're from the line of Aaron. You got to live up to your name, boy. You're going to be a priest. You're going to do this. So he went through all the schooling. He went through all the learning. He was a, he was a godly man. He was a good man. He wasn't a religious man. And he gets this news and it's kind of a little bit like mind blowing. And he knows the presence of God. And he's serving God. He's doing the right things. And he, 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 he does something here that all humans do when God tells you something. In verse 18, you would think that he would be like, oh, really, man, this is awesome. I'm talking to an angel. It's great. I'm going to have a kid. I'm going to go home and tell my wife about this. But he, he, he has a problem with the promise. He's got a problem with it because he, he says this. He says, okay, this is what your kid's going to be like. This is what his name's going to be. He's going to be great. And Zachariah says, what? That's Hebrew fruit. How can I be sure of this? <laughs> Seriously, Gabriel? Like, or he doesn't know his name yet. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna have a kid. How can I be sure? He, he, this doubt comes in. He, he gets the promise. He's like, your prayer's been heard. You're gonna have a kid. And he's questioning it. How often, guys, do we question God's word? How often do we question God's promise? Here's a man of God, so it's okay to question Okay, because we, we think, man, I appreciate it and question you. But he gets into the flesh. He's doing all the right things. And all of a sudden the answer's there and he's not sure he likes that. How can I be sure? He's like, and, he, and he's correct. He goes, I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. <laughs> he says, she's old too. They're about 80. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel, he answers. And he says, he's like, I'm Gabriel. I don't know if that was a bad Batman person, uh, impersonation. I think Pastor Steve, you could do it really good, but I can't. All right. He's like, I'm Gabriel. Like the Gabriel, 
Only two names in the Bible, Gabriel and Michael, the archangel. Okay, we have Lucifer who, but uh, I'm Gabriel. And I think he had a stern look on his face. And he says, I stand. Man, I wish I had a deep voice here, Pastor Stevie. I stand in the presence of God. That's, that's terrible. I can't even fake a, a good deep voice. I'm not sure God blessed me with a preaching voice, but I, but, but I wish I could say it the way that he said it. I'm Gabriel. I, I stand in the presence of God. He's like, how dare you doubt, okay? I'm here to give you a message and you're doubting the message. I am not a conjurer of cheap tricks. Yeah, you know Lord of the Rings, you know that. If you don't, you need to watch more TV. All right. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now, <laughs> and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. All right, now Gabriel gets to bring out some judgment, okay? Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. He's like, I told you what I needed to tell you and you didn't believe me. And now you're not gonna talk for nine months. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Like if it happened to somebody that talks a lot, it'd be great. Of course, they could still type, but, but he couldn't say anything. All right, at the proper time. Meanwhile, verse 21, the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering why he stayed in the temple so long. Think about this. We're humans, right? He goes in there. There's like a time, okay, okay time watch. Okay, well, he should be in. He should be about done and he's not coming out. And I'm sure the priests are going, dude, you think he sinned? Like he was in there and had this lustful thought and he's dead and now somebody's got to go get him. And, and hey, Bill, why don't you go get him? I can't get him, dude. I was thinking the same thing. So I'm not even holy to go into the temple. So, hey, babe, you know, whoever you are, can you, you go get him? No, I can't go to him, man. I just sit in my life too. Nobody really would want to want to go in and get him. But you know humans, how we think that way? Like, well, we must have done something bad. And then all of a sudden, Zechariah comes out, all right? And, and the clock was running way over time because we have this idea of how things should happen. We have this idea of how God should do things when we want him to do them. Just like these priests go, okay, there's you know, it's 10 minutes or however it is, however they're looking, they probably have the sundial. And they're like, man, he's way past due. What happened in there? How often have we thought, God, you're way past due. Lord, you, you should have did this here and Lord, you did it. And God's like, I know what you don't. You, 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 your timetable is messed up because God's time is not your time. God's time is his time. He's gonna do things in the right time and God's never late, he's never early. He's always right on time. And so he, he, he comes out and I love this, right? They're waiting for him and he comes out and says, meanwhile, again, the people were waiting for him. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They had realized that he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them. He invented, you know, charades. Like he's trying to describe, I they're like, what? And he's, he's trying to describe it because how do you describe something if you can't talk? And he's trying to describe it. There's like, oh, he, he saw something. He saw something. Okay. He kept making signs of them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And a man knew what he had to do. Like a man, he's 80, been away from his wife for a week. He comes home. He's got a smile on his face and a twinkle in his eye. I mean, he can't say nothing. He can't even walk in and go, hey, Liz, what's up? Missed you, baby. 
Yeah. We're just getting human. Guys, these are humans. These are humans. Okay. Don't get all freaked out. It's church. It's in church. God invented sex. So don't be embarrassed by it. Okay. And they were married. So everything's cool. Okay. Next week we can get a little uncomfortable because she's a virgin. But, but this week, Zechariah knows what he's got to do. It's not going to be immaculate conception. Okay. And so he's looking at her, she's looking at him and he's trying to do whatever he does to, to say what happened and he can't, so he's probably writing it out. Here's what happened to me. And can you imagine getting a note slipped? Cause like you did in junior high, do you like me? Yes, no. Do you imagine John slipping his wife a note saying, you're gonna be a mama. <laughs> She'd be like, what? Cause it doesn't say the angel went to her. She didn't get a heads up. It would have been all right if she got it, but she didn't, according to the Bible. It doesn't say she, okay, we just know the Zechariah. And, and so they had to have intimacy. They had to become one for John to get conceived. Okay, and, they, and again, I'm not being weird. I'm not being crass. I'm just saying we have to do our part for God to do his part. We, we have to do something. We have to act on the promise. As weird as this was, right? Because I will tell you, if you're 80 and you walked in to the church here and you're showing... We'd be like, whoa, hi, uh, what, ha what happened? How, how did that happen? Like we, this, these are humans talking, okay? This is a doctor going, this is impossible, but this is how it happened. What? Because God is the master of impossible. So what you're facing right now that you might think is impossible, it's not impossible. With God, all things are possible. So just got to throw the doubt out of window. So you got to make sense, but I'm going to do what you asked me to do. And so anyhow, here's what happened. When the time of his service was completed, he returned home. He leaves out the details. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. He doesn't get into detail, I'm glad. And for five months, she remained in seclusion. <laughs> if I was 80 and I got pregnant, I'd remain in seclusion too, man, I ain't going nowhere. Because people ask questions, right? <laughs> five months, she's like, is this real? Is this going on? And we'll look at it next week where, where, where Mary gets pregnant and they're both pregnant together. And, and it's just like this, this really weird thing. Like you're pregnant, you're 80, I'm pregnant. I'm a, a teenager that's not married. And God's gonna use this. Yes, God uses weird circumstances, right? To bring about his will. And here's what she says. I love this. And she says, the Lord, verse 25, has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, guys, that's a, that is a beautiful thing. Here's a woman who her whole life has felt disgraced. She's felt judged. She's felt like people talking bad about her, like she had sin in her life, and that's why she couldn't get... She heard all the stuff. She heard the rumors. She heard people. She probably was, you know, avoided a little bit. And she says, God has taken away my disgrace. She, she, the disgrace, she still felt at 80 years old. And here's what Jesus came to do, guys. He came to take away our disgrace. He came to take away our sin. The sin that you've confessed of is a sin that God doesn't even remember anymore. He doesn't hold it against you, okay? What he says is, what are you gonna do now? I've forgiven you. I got a plan for you. I got a purpose. And we've got to live that way. He's human. He's surprised that his prayers are gonna be answered. Why are we so surprised when God keeps his word to us? We shouldn't be, should we? God keeps his word to us. I love, again, Gabriel's, okay, he can't talk for nine months. And then he says this, my, my words will come true at the proper time. And I believe that, that proper time is important. God's timetable is not your timetable. So here's what I want you to do with this message. We're about wrapped up. It's kind of like a Christmas gift, okay? If you can't use it, what's the point? I'm not gonna give you a message that you can't do nothing with. I, wanna, I want you to apply something with what we heard. Uh, Zachariah had to act on what he heard. 
It wasn't just information. He had to act on it. He'd do something with it. So two things I want to leave you with. Uh, number one, God can be trusted. Amen. God can be trusted. Whatever you're facing right now, you don't have to understand it. You just have to trust. It's okay, God, I don't get it. This might be painful. It might be hurtful. But I'm going to serve you regardless. I'm going to be like Elizabeth. I'm going to serve you. I didn't get a baby. I'm, just, I'm still going to serve you. God, I prayed for it and I prayed for it and I prayed for it. Zachary, I prayed, 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 prayed probably daily. For years and years and years. Didn't get it. And they're later still serving God. It wasn't conditional. Like, I'm going to serve you because that's the right thing to do. Number two, some of you need to hear this. God's timing is always perfect. Okay? Don't try to rush the process. Just let it play out. Do your part. Do what's right. And let God take care of the details. Okay? So here's where you need to apply your issue to, your specific issue. And here's, I like to end with some questions. What am I facing right now that I just need to trust in him more? I, I want you to make this, I want you to apply this to yourself because I don't know really what your issues are. Okay, but for you right now, what are you facing right now that you need to trust with? Okay, only you can answer that. Attitude is this. I don't understand, but I'll keep going and I'll keep growing. That's my heart. I'm gonna keep going, I'm gonna keep growing. Number two, Find a way to be a blessing to other people because I guarantee you that Zechariah and Elizabeth were a blessing to many. They were upright. They, they lived for God. They served God. I can imagine that she was probably a mom and a grandmother figure to a lot of kids. Just doing right, doing what's right. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? All right. She's taking away my disgrace. Well, I want to ask you today, okay, if you are here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, okay, I, I, this is one thing I promise you I will do as a pastor is I, was always, I will always tell you the truth. If it makes you uncomfortable, I'm going to tell you the truth, okay? Here's the truth. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you're on your way to heaven. You're good. You're good to go. Do you have some stuff to work on? Absolutely. Don't we all? Okay, but eternity is taken care of. We've, we've said, Jesus, I, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Eternity is taken care of, right? Your reservation is confirmed. Okay, it's there. You got a reservation in heaven. But if you've never made that prayer, you might have grown up in church. You might know that Jesus died for your sins. But if you've never accepted that, it's like a gift under the Christmas tree. I can look at a president under the tree and I can say, okay, to Stan from Scott. Okay, oh, no, you're not Scott. That threw me off. Scott usually sits right there. Bro, I'm an old habit. I, Scott usually sits right there. Black sweatshirt. Beautiful head. Um, okay. I had to think that through. All right. I get the lights are in my eyes. All right. If, if it's from Scott and it says to stand, okay, I can believe that Scott gave me a present. I can believe that it's under the tree. I can believe that he says, hey, it's a new DeWalt tool. Cool. But if I don't get the gift and take it and, and open it, what good is it? So Jesus has been offered from God to us to stand from Jesus or from God. And it's the cross. And I'm like, that's nice. I believe that that's a gift for me. I believe that there's a tool. I, mean, I believe that, the, that Scott gave me a DeWalt tool, but I'm just not ready for it yet. The tool does me no good. Okay, I have, to, I have to take the gift and I have to open it. And that's the same thing that God did for us. He's just offering forgiveness. He's offering grace, no strings attached. God's like, I want to forgive you because your life's a mess. I mean, you, you, you're not peaceful. You have a hard time sleeping at night. You're wondering what life's all about. You've got sin that's unconfessed and you don't know why life is miserable. And God says, I'm your answer. Jesus is the answer. I want your life to be good, but you have to be willing to take the gift. So my question for you, because so many have opened the gift and said, I, I need a savior. But if you have not, okay, personally ask Jesus to be your savior. The Bible says that when you die, hell is where you will spend eternity paying for your own sins. Again, it's the beauty of Christmas is Jesus forgiving us of those if we ask him. 
And so I'm gonna ask you if you would just bow your heads with me today and just evaluate where your life is. If you've accepted Jesus as your savior, okay, this isn't for you, okay? Who, who I'm talking to now is maybe those who have never accepted Christ, who've never asked God to forgive him. Maybe you think I'm so unworthy, I, God would never forgive me. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. I'll tell you that right now. Jesus came for everybody. So if you have never accepted him as your savior and you want to, okay, you have to want to. If you want to, if that's you, if you just, just lift your hand up, say, stand this with me. I'm not gonna embarrass you or point you out, but if that's you, we'd love to pray with you so that you can receive Jesus as your savior. Anybody, okay, guys, this is a, a big decision. This is heaven and hell, okay? All right, I see that hand. Is anybody else? I'm not gonna take a long time, all right? But here's what we do, okay? Because somebody raised their hand, maybe some online people are thinking the same thing. We pray it as a church family, just in support of those who wanna give their lives to Jesus. So I'm gonna ask you just to repeat after me this prayer. And let's say it, dear Jesus, I believe that you died for me. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. And we always just say hallelujah, amen. It's a good thing. That's a good thing. Okay. The Bible says that heaven erupts with, with joy when somebody gives their life. Okay. Angels are like going, yeah. Gabriel's like going, yeah. <laughs> All right. If Gabriel shows up to your house, ladies, run. Um, <laughs> He, he, he gives birth announcements us most of the time. So um, anyhow, like I said, uh, we're going to do some giveaways. Don't forget your life groups tonight. Check in with your life group leaders and see what's up. But uh, I love Pastor Stevie's sweater, man. You're looking good. looking good. I'd say the same for you. Yeah. But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You look good, man. You look good. Does it look good in the tie? I mean, come on. Yeah, don't ever wear it again. Um, so anyways, I'm just kidding. Uh, real quick, I love you, man. Uh, yeah, we have some giveaways for um, ugliest or most outrageous uh, Christmas sweater of the day. And so uh, first up, um, go ahead. Uh, where's, where's my beautiful wife? Uh, go ahead and, and get the door open back there. Oh, no, never mind, never mind. Okay, we're good, we're good, we're good. Uh, first one, Steve. Uh, bro, your sweater is fantastic. The pink flamingo, bro, I'm telling you right now, this is not just a cup. It is a Starbucks gift card for you. Yeah, that is fantastic. Let me look at this thing. Congratulations, bro. Look at that. Pink flamingos for days. Congratulations, man. Go enjoy some Starbucks. Uh, next one, Savannah, where are you? Come here. Come here. I absolutely love this Christmas sweater. It is fantastic. Here you go. Go enjoy some Starbucks. Uh, just so you know, the candy canes are stuck to her sweater. I already tried to take one. Uh, so anyways, hey. Love you guys. We'll see you in life groups everywhere tonight. If you want to join a life group tonight and you're thinking, hey, I've never been, I want to go, just make sure you find the connection card in the back under the uh, clock above the water fountains and text or call the person of the leader of the group to make sure that they are meeting or what time and to make sure the details are worked out. Uh, so if you're going for the first time, that's what you need to do. Uh, hey, God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight at life group or on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Have a great one.